Chapter Twenty Five of Mountain Adventures in the Various Countries of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mountain Adventures in the Various Countries of the World by John Timms. Chapter Twenty Five: Discovery of an Ancient Volcano by H. de Saussure in eighteen fifty-five you have often asked me to communicate some details relating to my journey in mexico but until the present time i have not found it possible to begin the relation of my observations on the geography of this interesting country i shall now confine myself to speaking of the discovery of an ancient extinct volcano about which there are remarkably curious points worthy of the attention of the geographer as well as of the geologist but when i talk of the discovery of this mountain i do not pretend that it had never been visited by any one for the inhabitants of the surrounding district knew it very well but no traveller has ever suspected its existence and even the inhabitants of the mexican towns are quite in ignorance about it on the southwest of the valley of mexico extends the green province of michoacan which with good reason passes for the garden of mexico and which unites the advantages of a broken-up soil furrowed by a great number of watercourses and of a temperate climate when the traveller gets into one of these green meadows after having travelled a long time in the sandy plains of anahuac and the marshes of the basin of mexico he experiences a peculiar delight at the sight of these wooded hills between which stretch verdant meadows rivers with their pure clear waves and enchanting lakes on the bosom of which float islets covered with a rich vegetation in the other districts of this country some wild and rugged mountains conceal veins of precious metal which at the present time are the sole riches of these spanish republics the most flourishing of these districts is that of Angangeo, situated on the confines of the state of mexico i quitted this locality on the sixth of august eighteen fifty five and directed myself to the west towards the village of taximaroa i had received some vague intimation of the existence in this region of a great mountain bearing the name of san andres but i had some trouble in finding a guide who should conduct me to it all the volcanoes of mexico are easy of access the slope of their sides is so gentle that one can ascend on horseback to a reasonable height but they are always covered with forests which hide the horizon and the summit of the mountain everywhere the visual ray is arrested by the trunks of venerable trees which seem to dispute the ground or which lie heaped together in masses of rottenness where all living nature seems to retire into shade from the eye of the passer-by this vigorous and gigantic vegetation the fruit of a tropical climate and remarkably fertile soil excites for a length of time the imagination of the traveller but all this ends at last in fatigue and its monotony fills the soul with ennui and sadness here however the uniformity is broken by great openings among the trees and the horizontal ground appears to me to have belonged to a series of dried-up lakes the mountain of san andres is in fact very distinct its sides are not uniformly inclined but they are cut up into plains mounds and hills on the mountain itself 
this vast whole presents a mass of domes and of crests separated by plains and valleys and it rises gradually by stages to the last plateau on the level of which surges up the rounded rock which forms the highest point the straight path which conducts from the village of haripeya to the place of the sulphur works sometimes crosses the marshes of the plains sometimes goes down into ravines in which our steps were attended with danger every moment the soil of the mountain is entirely composed of a bluish trachyte crossed by an infinity of very wide lines of obsidian so that in many places men and horses walk literally over glass all the neighboring plains are of much the same character and are besides inundated with basaltic overflowings which have boiled up through a multitude of chinks with which the ground has been riddled during the numerous cataclysms which the incessant volcanic shocks have caused after several hours march we came out suddenly on a pebbly amphitheatre in which the most curious spectacle was presented to our eyes at the bottom of this species of shaft is to be seen a circular pond more than three hundred feet wide filled with a troubled and boiling water from which escapes a cloud of vapor loaded with mephitic gases all the divisions of the amphitheatre are rocks completely bare of earth or vegetation softened and whitened by the sulphurous vapors with which the atmosphere of this gulf is loaded on these rocks are to be seen yellow and red rays which indicate the incessant action of sulphur and a languishing vegetation covers on all sides the edges which are perpendicularly cut this struggle between a budding vegetation and the noxious emanations which keep it down has something sad in it which renders the appearance of these desolate places still more wild the marsh of hot water which occupies the lower parts to judge by the steepness of its edges is of a great depth out of it they continually draw sulphur mixed with mud which is used in the manufacture of powder after it has been purified by fusion some earthen huts and a little building for the works have been constructed for this business and at a distance from the lagoon at which less of the mephitical exhalations are felt but such is still the influence of the sulphurous vapors at this distance that it transforms the argillaceous earth of which the houses are built into different sulphates principally into alum so that they actually crumble away periodically this phenomenon is one of the most curious that can be seen anywhere we gave the rest of the day to exploring different parts of the mountain and guided by two indians we penetrated into an elevated valley using our hatchets to clear a way for ourselves through the thick parts of the forest the extraordinary vegetation of which surpasses in majesty and vigor all that i had seen on the mountains of mexico the ground is strewed with gigantic trunks which are heaped pell-mell under the thick foliage of living trees and when we tried to get clear of them by stepping from one to another they crumbled and fell into dust drawing us in their fall down into a bed of ferns and other plants so that we found ourselves in a manner between mountains of decayed substances for about an hour our attention had been attracted by a strange noise like that of a cataract at a distance when we perceived a great column of white smoke 
whose curling flakes seem to be thrust out over the summit of the fir-trees which cover the flanks of the valley. On reaching the place whence the noise proceeded, we were struck by the grandeur of the spectacle which it presented. Before us rose a whitened slope, which appeared as if covered with porcelain. On the top of this there was a well with an opening about six feet across, from whence escaped, with a horrible whistling noise, an immense jet of vapour, which rose into the air to a considerable height. At the same time, a flood of boiling water overflowed from this opening, and ran in several streams down to the valley. This phenomenon could only be compared to that of the geysers of Iceland, and here, as there, the results were the same. The waters in their course deposit a quantity of silica, and form all around those white rocks whose substance I have compared to that of porcelain. All the stones which these waters moisten are in a state of growth. Their surface is soft, like a species of paste, and when this becomes solid, it is a sort of compact opal. San Andres has many other curiosities, too. Not far from this jet of vapor, and in the same valley, there is another hot spring in the middle of divers' little basins, which look as if they had been cut by the hand of man. But this latter offers scarcely any object of interest except that of a simple mineral spring, unless it is the high temperature of its waters, which are found to be nearly 212 degrees. We continued our course through the woods, always guided by our Indians, and rising gradually up the sides of the valley, but without going beyond the circuit of half a league, suddenly we saw opening before us a gulf whose argillaceous and perpendicular banks threatened to give way under our feet. In the depth of this hole we saw a marsh of muddy water, agitated by violent ebullition. Its level first fell, then rose in immense swellings, and broke out and fell on all sides in waves of foam. Some firs, which the falling of the banks had let down, were beaten up by this funnel, and agitated in the boiling waves of this grey mud, they were subjected to a regular cooking operation, and shaken about like a vegetable in a pot of boiling water. The suddenness with which we came on this spectacle rendered it still more frightful. We fell back, seized with fear at the thought that the earth might fail under our feet, and that the least imprudence would precipitate us into this gulf, where a frightful death would be inevitable. We could not help comparing this marvellous picture to certain fairy scenes which belong to the Middle Ages. If, instead of being placed in the bosom of the deserts of America, the mountain which we have described had been found on the banks of the Rhine, it would have added more than one legend to the Gothic traditions of Germany. Is not the kettle of Rubizal like this cauldron of the mountain, in which the trees of the forest are cooked? And this dreadful place, if the witches of Macbeth lived in it, would it not be a perfect picture? It is highly probable that the San Andres has many other objects worthy of attention, but the impenetrable forests which entirely cover it prevent the traveller from exploring it at his ease. In another excursion, which I afterwards made beyond the sulphur factory, I saw a vast glade, in which the ground is occupied by a lake of bitter water, fed no doubt from subterranean sources. Nothing can be more triste than these isolated places, 
where an expanse of brackish water is bordered all around by the venerable trees of a silent and monotonous forest which neither deer nor parrots ever come to enliven it was there that seized by a violent attack of fever i became incapable of pushing further the exploration of the san andres i deplored this circumstance the more because it rendered it impossible for me to visit the peak of the mountain which the inhabitants call the cerro grande the altitude of which very sensibly passes the limit of arborescent vegetation they even assert that it is not free from perpetual snows but the information which a traveller obtains from the natives is too vague to inspire much confidence letter of m h de saussure to monsieur de la roquette bulletin de la societe de géographie End of chapter 25